Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today's episode is part of my interview series, and I'm looking forward to introducing you to Sonali Bengchusuri. Sonali is a parent coach. She's the founder of Together Parenting and the Raising Your Strong Will Child series. She often says that she was that kid, and now she has three of those kids. She combines heart-centered and empowering parenting approaches to bring parents' awareness to the needs at the root of the unrest they feel. Her passion is supporting parents to return to trust, connection, confidence, and delight in themselves and in their relationship with their children. Sonali finds children wise, attuned, and present. She finds parents wise, attuned, and present, and she's here to support you in seeing this too. Sonali lives in Bangkok. She's originally from the United States. She's of Indian origin. She has albinism, which means she has no pigment in her skin, eyes, or hair. Uh, what that makes her is clear. She sees people in a way that they don't see themselves. The following is my conversation with Sonali. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. Sonali, welcome. I'm so happy to have you on the show with me today. Thank you for coming. I'm so glad to be here, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Well, I'm excited about this conversation. We've had lots of conversations before. We've done, we've collaborated in quite a few ways. So I'm very excited about this conversation. And I want to just, can you help me understand what you do? Like tell everyone about your work and your life and every, all the wonderful things you do for kids and parents. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, I'm the founder of Forward Together Parenting and the, I support highly sensitive parents of strong-willed kids, or at least that's how I say it. That's actually highly sensitive strong-willed parents of highly sensitive strong-willed kids, but nobody wants to hear that, right? Which is actually, parents who feel different, who have kids who feel different. Um, and the reason I do this is because, well, part of my story is that I like to say that I was that kid and I have those kids. And what I mean by that is that um, I show up differently in the world. I have albinism, so I don't have pigment in my skin, hair, and eyes, and I'm legally blind. And so I show up very differently in the world. I was that kid and I get your kids. Um, and, and, and your kids show up differently in the world. And then I have those kids who are also very sensitive and neurodivergent. And so I am that parent and I get what it's like to be you, that parent with kids that show up differently. Um, and so at the beginning of my relationship with my kids, it just felt like this conflict. And I'm putting my hands together, kind of bashing um, because it felt, and I felt it both externally between me and my kids and how we expressed our sensitivity because I was that type that like shut down, played it small, tried to people please. And they came into the world like, we know who we are. We know what we want. We're not willing and we're not afraid to have a two hour meltdown to get it. And I didn't know how to navigate that external conflict that I felt as well as the conflict I felt within myself about, oh my gosh, I felt I wanted to do two things at the same time. And I tried all the things that everyone says. So I was like, okay, let's um, dedicate one-on-one -on -one time. I tried it because everybody said that that's what works and it worked. 
temporarily. And I tried validating emotions because everybody says validate emotions. And it worked temporarily. And I tried, um, you know, holding space for meltdowns because it's everybody says, hold that space for the meltdowns. And it worked temporarily. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did not know. It felt like my kids had this unfillable cup. And it wasn't until I was able to bring my needs and their needs together that we were able to have that stability and that sustainability in being able to resolve what was going on with that unfillable cup. And so the systems that I've created are um, systems that have not only supported me, but they've supported so many families, so many parents and so many families in being able to step into that stability. So parents are like, yes, this is doable. Yes, this is sustainable. Like I can actually make this happen because it's considering me and my child at the same time. And so I developed these systems around a process to peel back to what those underlying needs are, because it's more than just being seen, heard, and understood. So I have a Schwab process for that. I have a map that understands where we are in relationship to our boundaries. I call that boundary circles. Um, I have a Venn diagram of needs that allows us to look at, okay, what does my child need and what do I need? And how do we bring those together? Um, and so all these different systems that help us step off of that emotional roller coaster that we can feel with our kids and with ourselves. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there's so much to unpack there and so many questions that I have, and I'm sort of, I, I'm reacting to so many wonderful things that you've just said. And I think probably the biggest thing is, and I see this too in my work that, you know, parents want to do what's best for their kids and they want to follow all the amazing advice that's out there. Um, and when it doesn't work or it only works temporarily, it's exhausting and heartbreaking yeah. and, you know, frustrating and you're, you're feeling all kinds of things. And I know that our, our population of kids is quite similar. Like I talk about, um, you know, parents having gladiator kids. And I just think yeah. sassy, feisty, like you said, they come into the world knowing exactly what they want. And they're going to yeah. probably be fantastic adults if we can yes. get there, right? <laughs> yes. They're the very people that are going to bust down paradigms and save us all. To be honest, we need people who yeah. are like bust down paradigms and boundaries and try things in a different way, but it's just really overwhelming for parents. And I find too that, you know, kids who have those big feelings who are really, truly just emotional sponges. I'm sure you see this too, mm -hmm. where they literally walk in a room and feel everybody's emotions, right? Everyone around them and not necessarily know what to do with that. Usually have parents that are like that too. Yes. And it can be overwhelming. So I, I would love to start, like, if you would, wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about some of the, the programs or the pillars that you've got put in place, because that sounds really exciting. Okay. Why don't I start with like that conflict, which is the Venn diagram of needs. And it goes into like the conflict that we feel with our kids and also that we feel with ourselves. So um, like, if you think about bedtime, right? And parents are like, I have that kid. And Jennifer, I know you hear this too, that wants one more hug. Mm -hmm. And then one more hug. And then a drink of water. And then can you tuck me in a little bit tighter? And then can you do this? And at the beginning, you're like, of course, I'll do that one thing. Of course, I will. I'd be happy to do that, right? If that's what my kid needs, I would love to do that because we want that connection with them. But there is a point with, as you call them, gladiator kids, where you're like, oh my gosh, if we keep doing this, we will be up till midnight. Nobody's gonna get any sleep, right? And, and so when we reach that point, what's happening is we feel this conflict between us and our kids because they're asking, so this is after the 15th one, for one more hug, right? 
that is their louder part, their quieter part inside of them. And we'll talk about this in a minute, but is but that is that is what's loud in them is that they want that one more hug. What they're actually seeking, they're saying the words that they're saying is one more hug. What they're seeking underlying that, the energetic need is that felt sense of connection with you. So that knowing that they belong, that they're that you're together, even as you physically separate, you're energetically still connected. Right now, let's look at the parent for us when we are with our child and now they're at the 15th, one more thing, right? So what's happened in us is we're feeling that conflict because in that moment, the louder plus is like, oh my gosh, let's go to bed already, right? Because we're having that need, the underlying need behind that statement. It's not that we were like, oh gosh, let's just get out of here. That's not what we're thinking. We're thinking we want the underlying need there is we want our kids to have a good night rest. We also need some quiet and some peace for us. So it's that need for some rest overall. Mm-hmm. That's the underlying need. We also, the quiet, so that's our louder part in that moment. The quieter part in us, this is why we struggle. This is why we do one more hug, one more glass of water, all those things. The quieter part in us, even at the 15th time, still wants to go and hug them one more time. Because we're thinking, right? We do. It's quieter, but we do because we're like, oh, if they just need one more hug, we want to do that because we understand that need for that felt sense of connection. In fact, we need that too, right? So this is the louder and the quieter part. So when a parent says, okay, enough, that's it, time for bed, it's dismissive of the parent's need for that felt sense of connection, right? So it's dismissive. And then if we say, okay, we'll do one more hug and kiss, it's dismissive of our need for some rest for a kid and for us. So instead of doing that, what I tell parents to do is bring in what I call, and I want, I want, I care statement. So where we start with this is, remember our louder part is we want some rest. We wanna be like, I want, like we would wanna say, okay, time for bed. We actually start with our quieter part, which is that desire for the connection. Mm-hmm. And then we'll come into the louder part. So we'll start with, oh my gosh, I want to hug you so many more times, like six more times, 10 more times, because it just feels good to feel you, to feel our arms wrapped around each other. And I also want, this is where we've done the louder part, I want your body to be able to rest so you can have a great day at school tomorrow. So we validate both experiences. Then you can say, so let's do this. Let's do one big giant squeeze. And then after I shut the door, will you sing me a song through the door? And so that way, what we've done is we've resolved that conflict through acknowledgement of our quieter part and our louder part, because our kids actually have those same parts as well. For them, a lot of times they're just flipped. So their loud part was the seeking the connection, wanting to know that they could feel their parents, the, the connection. And they also were tired. So that's just a teeny tiny quiet part. So that's what I call and I want, I want, I care statement. I love that a lot. And it's funny, as you're speaking, there's so many parallels between what we do, but I'm also thinking for those kids, and I find this particularly with gladiator kids, because they've been difficult during the day, because they've uh-huh. had more meltdowns than their siblings, or they've been more difficult than they needed to be. And they're mu- they're very aware of this. It's nighttime where they have to face those things, right? So I find yeah. they get extra clingy and they, they need even more connection at night because they don't feel as lovable. Right. They know they're loved, 
but they don't always yes. And the truth is they're not always lovable. Like sometimes they're just downright impossible and frustrating and upsetting. And it's a, I, I love how you kind of parceled this out. Cause I think we're feeling so many things as a parent of a child like yeah. that. The parent is also right. like done by that time of day, your strategies are, <laughs> out. you are exhausted. You are running on fumes. you got nothing. Okay. Yeah. I just want to get out. And it just ends up being a hot mess sometimes. So I love this. Yeah. And I love what you brought up because our kids cognitively know we love them, but what they're asking for is that felt sense in their body, right? Yes. Yeah. So they might know, but they need to feel it. That's why they're asking for the one more hug, one more kiss. But then when we get really frustrated and then we go and give them that hug, but we're actually not there present in the hug, they know it too. So the kids are know the truth. They, they feel things very intensely. And the hardest part too, depending on how gladiatory your child is, <laughs> um, you can do all that and it still won't be enough. Like that's, I think that's what you were talking about with the empty cup. There are times where this will just go on and on and you just have to stay neutral and tell them you yeah. love them, walk them back. And I mean, there will be kids this will work beautifully for. And I know, cause I did do something similar. And then there will be nights where literally there's no answer they're they're in a turmoil they're sometimes kids would rather fight with you than sleep they're so scared to go to sleep they're so afraid of what's going on in their in their heads that they would rather fight with you and that's a really hard one can i talk about that because i love that you brought that up that they would rather fight with us what they're doing what i see them doing in that moment when they would rather fight with us is that if they fight with us, they feel connected. They Absolutely. can at least connect. They're like, I feel this desire to fight inside of me. And so if I can get my mom to be in that same energy with me or my dad to just snap back at me, now at least we're in the same space together. So you get this commonality instead of connection. Does that make sense? It does, and it's such a lovely way to look at it instead of, oh my God, my kid's trying to you know, take the last breath that I have of energy. and. But the truth is, it's so scary for these little ones sometimes to be alone. They would rather fight with you and have that connection in that way than lie alone in their beds, thinking about all the things they're afraid of, injecting themselves into the future, reliving things that didn't go so well that day. And I love that it's, and and not that it makes it any easier necessarily, but you can see that as such a desire to just, please don't leave me alone. I'm so scared to be alone. I'm connected with you. I don't care what it looks like. I'll take it. Right. I will take you snapping at me because at least it's some type of, I call it pseudo connection because it's not real connection, right? It doesn't actually fill their cup, but they're like, okay, at least we now feel each other because I'm frustrated and you're frustrated. Now we're both sitting in the energy of frustration, but it's not getting resolved. And so um, what, and that's what I call like a ping ponging back of emotions. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're standing there in that moment. Like let's say our kid pops out of the room for the, 15th time I was talking with the parent about this last week, actually, like the kid that pops out of the room, right? And they come and they they come over to the kitchen and they peek their head around the corner and they're not for sure which version of the parent they're going to get, right? (laughs) Is it going to be that parent that says, okay, come on, sweetie, let's go to bed? Or is it going to be the parent that says, (laughs) okay, let's go to bed? And so it's, right? And it's, it, that can create a lot of anxiety in our kids 
And we're not sure what version we've got inside of us in that moment because we're feeling so much. We're working really hard by that point to meet our kids' needs, and we've been squashing our needs by that point. And so a lot of parents will be like, oh, my gosh, I know the right thing to do. I know the right thing to do, but I cannot get myself to do it in that moment, right? Yep. Absolutely. And I know I'm supposed to pause. I know I'm supposed to take a breath, but my body won't let me. And what I see that, so this is part of that emotional roller coaster where we put our kids' needs over ours for such a long period of time until we slip. And then we're like, I can't take it anymore. And then we, we put our needs over our kids. We snap, we yell. But the moment we do that, we also guilt ourselves and judge ourselves because that's not what we want to be doing. And then we go back to putting our kids' needs over ours and we keep squashing ourselves. So that's that emotional roller coaster. And parents say, I just can't pause and I don't know why. And what I want to say to a parent that feels, I felt that before. And I know the parents that I work with feel that. I imagine your the parents you work with feel that too. Um, is I like to look back at like, of course you can't pause in that moment because you've been putting your kids' needs above yours. Your needs are there. And if you pause, your body is worried that you're going to use that pause to dismiss your needs even more. Mm -hmm. So if we're in that state where our, where our body's saying, no, 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 I can't pause because I have this need, let's look at the intention of the pause. The intention of the pause to me is to bring us back into our body, to allow us to sink back into our heart, to notice our needs and our emotions in that moment and our values and come back into that space. So instead of trying to pause, which our bodies are like, no, because they're worried. We're, our bodies are like, nope, nope, can't dismiss my needs for one more second longer. Um, we can put our hand on our heart and ask, what do I need? And I had a parent that had done this. She'd actually done it in the morning time. Uh, and she had said, oh my gosh, just everything changed. She was getting her kids ready, morning routine, getting out the door for school. And one of her kids had an accident. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the thing that has us being late. And normally she would have snapped, right? And she's like, and people had told me to pause, but I could not get my body to pause. And she she told me the next time we met, she's like, oh, it was just like, she's like, I put my head on my heart. I'm like, what do I need? I need peace, which is why she had wanted to get the kids out of the door on time. She was seeking that if the kids get to school on time and, um, and, and they get out the door and they, then then she would have that peace and she would have that approval of her as a mom, right? And so she's like, oh, I need to know that it is okay for us to be five minutes late today. I need to have that peace. And she's like, it just worked. Then I could say, all right, sweetie, let's go get you changed. And we walked to school and our morning was completely different. I wasn't snapping, I wasn't yelling because I could sink into what did I need in that moment? And what did they need him? She's like, my kids needed me to be calm as well. Does that make sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense. I love that. And, I, and I, for me, what I'm thinking of is the beautiful modeling for the child, like for the child to even see, you know, you as a parent, just taking a minute and even saying out loud, what do I need? Like that's yeah. beautiful modeling. Like, yeah. Able to yeah. do that. I love that. Thank you. Oh, and going back to the frustration energy, when we and our kids are sitting in that frustration, right? When the gladiator kids um, want us, they, they, they're desiring that commonality for us to be frustrated as well. Mm -hmm. 
what we can do is instead of us giving them that, like we're feeling frustrated in that moment. So instead of us trying to squash that even more in ourselves, we it, what I tell parents is put it on the table. And so instead of trying to pretend like it's not there, uh, and a parent that I that it that it was weird, she's like, my she'll come out and then she'll sit on the couch, and I'll go over and I'll be like, all right, let's go to bed. And she's like, and I know I'm sending her that disapproval energy, but I just I don't know what else to do. Um, and so I told her, I'm like, we we put that that energy inside of you instead of trying to squash it for the sake of connecting with your kids, they're feeling that, like that gladiator kid, that strong-willed kid, they're feeling frustrated already. Their brain keep coming out because they want to know that that feeling is okay. And they can feel it inside of you, right? They know, they know you're feeling that. So they're just like, they're like it's like they're poking to say, come on, show us, like, like acknowledge that it's in there. I know you're frustrated too. Um, so you can put it on the table. And that can be you going up and saying, you could, instead of talking to your child, talking to the coffee table or talking to the couch, who got this coffee table out of bed? How did it get here? Oh my goodness. It's like, this is the 15th time that coffee table has come out of bed. And you kind of wink and smile at your child. So you're expressing a bit of frustration, but it's not at your child. So it's safe. So your child is like, ah, look, there is that frustration energy that I know is inside of my mom, my dad. All right, that was inside of me. You connect in that, you have a little giggle. And then the, and then you can say, all right, so let's go to bed. But you've acknowledged yourself and you've acknowledged your child. I love that. Just putting it out there and also using humor and cheekiness and a little bit of fun. And sometimes kids can go with that. It's, you know what, it's, it, sometimes it's such an interesting dance where you just have to figure out what works and some things will work one night and then they won't work another night or they'll work right. for a while and then they'll stop working. So right. have amazing toolbox of different things, I think is so important. Um, cause it, it can be really, it can be really tough. Like, I, and I'm sure you see this too. I just see how tired parents are. They're just so tired and they're beating themselves up and then they go to sleep at night, promising to be you know, different in the morning. And the morning looks pretty much the same as yesterday morning. And, and I, right. what, you know, as, as people listen to all of these different things that they can be trying and I, what I love is the connection and the empathy and the really stepping into the space. That's so important. Um, but as I listen to this, you can always repair because you are going to blow it sometimes. Right. Or you're sure. you know, wasn't the couch it was you and you're gonna get back <laughs> right right that's gonna happen and it's and and the repair is actually just as important as um the moments where you do get where you yell at the couch instead of at your kid right yep. like that repair is just as important I think that's what um allows our kids to see that we're human so like even that on the table, like if we're judging ourselves, oh my gosh, I yell. And that's what happens is we yell out towards our kids, right? And then we yell inward towards ourselves, like, oh, why did I have to do that? Yeah. Right? It's and it's, we explode. Yeah. Yep. Right. We you, you, we explode and then we implode, right? <laughs> like we take it in ourselves. And then the emotion never actually gets processed. And so what I like to do is take when we are having that, let's say we did just yell, is first for ourselves connect that the thing that we did to our heart to make it safe. So, oh my gosh, I did yell. And the reason I'm not feeling good about that right now is because I do really care about connecting with my child. And so we can, so instead of us pretending like we didn't yell, 
or beating ourselves up because we did, like making it just a little bit safer for us to feel. We yelled, yeah, that happened. Of course, of course we reached our point. And we reached our point because we were trying so, like we do care. Um, and that it's okay then to go to your kids and say, that did happen. I, I yelled, that wasn't what I wanted. That, was, that didn't go how either of us wanted, did it? And I think sometimes going general with our words, we don't have to, it doesn't have to be a big long sentence, but just that wasn't what either one of us wanted last night, was it? I love that. I love that. That's so beautiful and so human. Um, when I work with parents too, I love this. There's so many parallels in our work, but I, I often yeah. do the hand on the heart thing too. And I, I love to add another piece, which mm -hmm. is helpful. And this is a sort of a different technique, but it dovetails where you literally put your hand on your heart and you thank your anger and your frustration. You thank it. Thank you for trying to save me. I know you thought that, you know, it was a battle and that we were in the middle of something really unsafe. And, you know, I love you for being feisty and sassy and coming out to protect me, but it was really just my kid who yeah. went to bed. And <laughs> yeah, human to feel frustrated when you serve everyone all day and you put your needs aside and you take care of everyone and you won't listen that's very human and then I, then I would love to dovetail right into the second part which is what you Can I actually comment on that because I love that you brought that up like the thank you for my anger I was like I like to say too like the, like wow you're committed to me you show up every single evening no matter what like you, you're that's a that's commitment right there and and so like we can laugh I think sometimes we can take our emotions so seriously and we can be like that's commitment yeah I don't even ask you to show up and there you are every single evening around the 15th time they pop out of bed and um it can make that anger a bit safer. So there's something that you want me to know because you keep showing up. What is it that, you know, that you, you want me to know? And it can tell us about our needs. Absolutely. Oh, this is so lovely. Wonderful. So I love this. This is all so exciting. And it's, it, you're really talking about just different ways that parents can help their kids and be present for their kids and also for themselves. Take us through like, what happens when, when things don't work or, or when you've done that part, you've done the connection, you've done the listening, take us further in that conversation. Right. So when you have that unfillable cup, right? Yes. And you, they want more, 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 more. And you try the thing at the strategy and it works for a week mm -hmm. and then you're back to, to, to ground zero. Right. And then you try the, the tip and it works for a week. You try being playful and it works for a week. So that's the unfillable cup. That's where what we're doing is we're trying to pour more in, pour more in, pour more into the kid's cup. And what I tell parents is stop for just a moment and instead look at the cup that you've got. At the bottom, there's a crack. So every time you pour in, you're making a mess all over your kitchen counter. So let's instead go in, repair the crack at the bottom of the cup. And now what you pour in will actually stay. The crack relates to needs um, and determining what's what's what your child may need in terms, and I'm not talking about like the physical needs or I'm talking about energetic needs. So um, a lot of times we hear, and you probably heard this, Jennifer, uh, see here, understand your child, right? Like that's what kids need is to be seen, to be heard, to be understood. And what I've seen is that that can be supportive, but that can sometimes leave really sensitive kids or kids that feel different, um, feeling a bit of pity 
because there are other needs that they have. And so I actually developed this process I call the Schwab process, where there are A's and V's that step us into empowerment. And I actually designed it from my experiences with my like my own experiences as a kid. I felt very seen because like, like it's hard to not see me. Um, <laughs> I felt heard. I felt people tried to understood me. And what I feel sometimes that can bring is see here, understand when that's what there is there, it can bring acceptance. But what kids really need is a sense of feeling received and celebrated so that they can feel empowered, so they can feel confident, so they can feel capable. Um, so I felt very seen, heard, and understood, but I didn't feel confident, capable, empowered. I felt very much like small and that wanting to shrink. So the A's and the V's are, are core needs. They are, and there's a lot of them, so it can sound overwhelming. It's really when you use the Schwab process, it's, it's an energy. It's not really the process, but so the A's are approved of, appreciated, acknowledged, agreed with, not necessarily agreeing with a thing, but agreeing with an energy or like, of course you're frustrated. Um, aligned with, which is a sense of belonging that we're brought into the space together instead of separated. Uh, then the V's are valued and validated, which lets kids know that they're important, that they matter, that they impact the world around them. And when the A's and V's are met, that's when kids, so S-H-U-A-V, then kids can step into empowerment, the E. And a lot of times what we can see, and I imagine you see this a lot, is what I notice is when some of those S-H-U-A-V are not met, what happens, and that's when kids feel received and celebrated, when it's not met, that E at the end, the empowerment can turn into a C for control. And so when you see controlling behavior, what you can do is go back and look over the SHUAV components and say, okay, what might be going on here? Wow. I'm thinking too, it's something you said right at the beginning there that acceptance and listening and, 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 you know, our models are similar in so many ways. Um, yeah. but I too, like sometimes parents need to step into this space where they understand that setting loving limits is also empowerment for your child. Like if you treat your yeah. child message that they can't handle things and you have to keep changing the rules all the time for them, or you have to go backwards on things because they can't handle it. You're also looking at them and giving them a message back of that's how I see you, that I can't expect the same from you that I expect from other people. And li loving limits are also a form of love and empowerment. And I think that that can be really hard because these kids push back so intensely sometimes, but mm -hmm. enough to, to know deep down that they can do it. I think is yes yeah yeah and it's like uh, one of the things that I like to say is we've got to hold ourselves capable of holding them capable oh, because that's that capable component right if you just feel SHU and you don't have the boundaries a child feels oh I must not be capable of being able to do that thing exactly like what you said right so, and, and I think, and that's really important. Like I see boundaries as not as these walls between us and our kids, but actually as these foundations, these platforms beneath us that allow us to have fun and enjoy our relationships. It's like the ground, right? Like if you, when you're walking around your home, the floor is steady, stable, secure. That's that stability piece that we were talking about, right? Like that where things feel stable because there are boundaries. 
And so that is, a, like, I love that you brought that up because yes, these needs are related to boundaries. So that actually comes into um, something that I call boundary circles. But I think what we could do is like letting our kids know like, oh, so when they feel, let's say you've got the kid that's struggling to get up in the morning and you're like, you normally yell, like it is okay to have the boundary. It's about like, I see boundaries that's hearing our heart and honoring our that voice to the action that we take. Um, I see boundaries as giving us permissions to love. So they're saying, oh, here's how we can relate to each other in a way that is safe, clear, focused for all of us. So um, sometimes what I think kids resist in the boundary is that like we might say, okay, it's time to get off technology, right? Like that's a big one, right? Like it's time to get off, like you gotta get off now. And they're like, no, 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 no. Can I just have five more minutes? Can I just do this? Sometimes what we can do is bring clarity and focus and it can help ease a child's anxiety because they're not resisting the thing. It's probably just bumping them up against their anxiety. So we can say things like, hey, it is time to get off. We can get back on tomorrow for five minutes after school or for 15 minutes after school, right? So that way they have the focus and the clarity. They know when they're gonna get back on and for how long. It eases their souls a little bit. So they're not like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna get this thing ever again. I need to beg and I need to hold on to whatever I can get now. Yeah. And they can let go, they can accept the boundary. They can like it, they, they can rest in it because we've also supported them and okay, it's not a forever on this thing. We're not saying no to technology forever because right now it's also bedtime. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love the richness of how you look at things and it's funny too because one of the things I say to parents all the time and it's it's just kind of wrapped up in what you just said is that we're our job is to love them and our job is to be parents but we're not actually parents we're technically we are substitute frontal lobes right we I are, love it when you say that <laughs> providing that 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 process for them because they don't have it yet and showing them that boundaries it is possible to set boundaries and you don't have to always live in scarcity and things can feel hard. And then five minutes later, you're like, oh, it doesn't bother me that much because now we're doing this. And I love the gentleness and the richness of, of how you're suggesting that parents approach complicated kids because they're amazing and they're capable of so much, but they are complicated. Everything's nuanced. Nothing's black and white ever. Yeah. Yeah. And they feel like, and if they feel like that scarcity, like they have to hold on to whatever they can get, they actually don't enjoy the thing that they're doing. Right. Like, and so it's, like, it's like, especially with technology, like if they're like, no, I need to sneak more, I need to get more, but they don't fully enjoy it. It's like, if we have a piece of chocolate cake, but we scarf it down, right? <laughs> and we just want another piece of chocolate cake because we didn't actually enjoy that piece, right? So instead, like letting them know, okay, here's our time and it's okay for us to have that boundary. In fact, it supports them. And instead of focusing on like what it does is we have that boundary because we have values. We value them going out and playing outside or helping in the family to cook dinner or something else. So it's, you know, like that boundary isn't a, we're us saying no to technology. It's us saying yes to these other things as well. Love that. That's that richness, that that nuance is something that's so important to be modeling and to be living in your home because these kids tend to be very rigid sometimes and they have a really hard time with gray and pretty much everything in life is gray. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so black and white. So I love this. 
Sonali, tell parents how they can get, how they can find you and how can they find out more about your work? Yeah. Um, so uh, if the, well, you can reach me at fortaylorparenting.com on Instagram. I'm at raising your strong well child. Um, you can follow me there on Facebook. It's forward together parenting. And um, I have a membership community called The Cove where we work through these different processes. And if the technology bit resonates, if you have that kid that is like the relentless negotiator on time or um, or where they um, or, or where they will, uh, where there's a meltdown every time you say, no, it's time to get off. I actually have a free tech guide that they can download that walks through some of these, like that bit that I mentioned about the chocolate cake and how to resolve that for your kid and for yourself like begin the process because you can't resolve it in one guide, but you could start to just notice their needs and your needs underneath of it. And so when you go to forgetogetherparenting.com, you can download that there as well. How wonderful. What an amazing resource. And I love the work you're doing out there in the world for parents and kids every single day. Is there anything else you'd love my audience to know? What would you love them to know? What I would love them to know is that instead of them needing to do a certain thing to be that stable, secure, grounded, and fun parent that they want to be, they already are that. It's about allowing themselves to connect to that and then figure out what they need in terms of meeting needs, in terms of boundaries. And I'm really glad you brought that up towards the end, um, that, they, that they can do those things and be that stable, secure, solid, fun parent that they want to be. In fact, that's what brings in that energy. So that's wonderful. Thank you. I think that is going to resonate with my listeners for sure. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a delightful conversation. I'd love to have you back on at another point. I think there's lots, many more things we could discuss for sure. I'd love to do that. Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. This was fun. Thank you. Everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Um, for more information on Connected Parenting, please go to ConnectedParenting.com. We have all kinds of resources for you to help you on your Connected Parenting journey. We have my books. We have our village where parents can get together, support each other, practice the techniques um, under the guidance and support of a Connected Parenting therapist or practitioner. We have our online courses where you can do a deeper dive into the techniques we also have our courses, which allow you to, at your own pace, work through kind of in a deeper way, the connected parenting method. And in one of those courses, I get to interact with everyone once a month in a live coaching call, which is wonderful to talk to parents all over the world. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.